like I had my eyes focused on Jesus and hard things came, but he just continued to surrender those things out of me. And I walked out of college with, yes, the foundation of what I got with my training, but also good friends, like such good girlfriends that I'm still so close to. And they're my sisters in Christ. Hi, and welcome to Jesus and Juliet. I am here with Laura Lee Turner. She is currently playing Karen Smith in Mean Girls, the production on Broadway. And so we are just so excited to have you here. I'm so excited to be here with you. So I say currently, are you, you're not in production right now? Not currently. Yeah. We shut down along with all of Broadway, right? When the quarantine happened in March and it's kind of extended shutdown right now until things get going again. So I'm actually home in Arkansas. That's where I'm from. Awesome. Yeah. I was kind of wondering what the update was on that because I haven't heard about it. So it's, there's no specific date. No specific date right now. I think it's just taking kind of one month at a time. The the last extension was January, the beginning of January, but I think it's going to be much longer than that. Hopefully, prayerfully, New York restores and that there is renewal there soon, I hope. Right. And we'll talk a little bit about the things that you have going on now, but have you felt creatively that Like, did you kind of go through a slump and now you're kind of coming out of that? Because I know that you started a podcast and we'll talk about that, but are you kind of feeling a little bit better? Like creatively your, your juices are flowing again. Yeah, I think it's a constant ebb and flow, like just one week at a time. Some weeks I feel super creative and some I'm like, what am I doing this for? Like I'm just singing in my room or recording this podcast all by myself. And I think for the most part, I just thank God that he has given me new creative outlets to be able to learn and grow and connect with people. I'm just blown away by how we've been able to connect with community all over the world through Zoom and through just everything we have with technology. So it's been it's been a real blessing. Um, yes, you mentioned the podcast. That's been a large part of my creative adventures in quarantine. I started the journey of dreaming and envisioning what that would look like in the beginning of the quarantine. And God just kind of walked me step by step through that for several months. And um, I launched it on September 7th. So that's been really exciting. That is awesome. And I have listened to it. And I'm so excited for you. And it's funny how that requires a lot of creativity. (laughs) I think some people might think putting together a podcast is like, oh, you're just recording with your friends. But it, it does require a lot of, you know, advertising and graphics and, you know, just figuring out how to talk to people in a certain way. And so that's really awesome that you started that. And I know that you have some other things going on. So I'm excited to hear about those too. So let's start back. I know that my listeners are going to want to hear everything about your journey and how you got into Mean Girls. I teach high school students. We talked a little bit about this and they are very, very into Mean Girls. And I remember when I found your Instagram and it just was not what I expected. It almost shocked me a little bit to see you so out about your faith and really 
living in the light <laughs> like your podcast. You really, really do. And yeah. that's so exciting. And so it, it just makes me so happy. Can you just start us off when you're young? What is your, your kind of journey with your faith? And how did you come to know Jesus? Yeah, I love this question because I think, you know, I'm an artist that tells stories and it's the most miraculous story of my life that Jesus broke into my own heart and drew me so near to him that, like you said, all I can do is just shine his light because there's just nothing like it. I actually grew up in a family of Christians. It's deep in just generational love of God. Uh, My mom loves God so much, my grandparents, and I'm really close to my cousins and my aunts and uncles, and they were really my foundational community growing up. I was very involved in the church, and there just wasn't a time that I wasn't being told about the love of God and the love that God had for me. Um, So it was very easy for me. Um, I consider that a blessing to accept Jesus. I was eight years old and said yes to him, got baptized. And I remember my Sunday school teacher, I got baptized and I made that decision. And then she said, now, Laura this is just the start of something. This is just the planting of a seed. And one day you're going to keep growing and keep growing. And there's going to be branches that grow and flowers that grow. And it's just this constant journey of growth. And that image has stuck with me, one, because it's so biblical and there's just so much about planting and harvesting and sowing seed and just our life being that kind of growth. But then also that we never arrive. And yes, I said yes to Jesus at that point in time, but it's just been this journey of getting to know him since then. And I think, you know, through middle school and high school, um, that was the time that I found the theater. Uh, But it was also a lot of growth for me spiritually because I didn't really know where my place was. I think it's hard in middle school. I mean, who really knows what their place is in middle school? But I struggled with friendships and really feeling like I had a fit in. I knew I'm very much like a black and white person. So I knew what I believed and I knew what I stood on morally. And I knew what God called me to from what I'd been taught from Bible study and stuff. And I just thought, you know, this is the way that I'm committing to wives. No one like what, what's why, why am I the oddball out? And that's kind of how it feels. I think until you get to a point where you just care about that more than you care about anything else. But in middle school, when I found the theater, I just found a group of people, a place where I could just without inhibition be who I was. And There's lots of different kinds of people being who they are. And I think that's the beauty of the theater. I mean, it brought me just so much comfort in that and creative outlet to storytell. And I fell in love with storytelling. I did my first play in seventh grade. Um, In middle school, we could do plays. And then in high school, you could start being in the high school musical. And I was um, in the play, both seventh and eighth grade, and I just could not wait, Laura, to be in the musical in ninth grade. I remember being in fourth grade in elementary school and going as an elementary school kid and seeing the musicals and just thinking in my head, like, I want to do that. I, I specifically remember the show I saw. It was Peter Pan, and our school was has an insane drama program, and that Peter would fly, they had a flywheel and would fly Um, the the stage. Yeah. It was amazing. And I just thought I want to do that when I get in high school. So 
I've always loved singing and dancing and acting and it just naturally kind of all came together in high school. And I auditioned for the, the musicals in high school and, and really loved that. But back to my kind of journey with God, you know, that was always a part of my life in school. And I went to Christian summer camps in middle school and high school. And my spiritual growth was really developed at those camps. I think when anytime you're removed from your home and from what the people that have always raised you to, you know, to disciple you to, to be, when you hear that affirmed by people and mentors that are not your parents and not your family and your home life, you're like, Oh, so my family's not just like right. one way, you know, like they're not, yeah. they're real. Like this stuff yeah. that they're is, is truth. They're not and, putting you in a bubble. Yeah. They're not putting me right. in a bubble. They're just like, actually protecting me and teaching yeah. me to work with Jesus. Like, right. Yeah. But you need that affirmed, I think, in those formative years of your life. And so I credit so much of that to, yeah, to the Camp Canacuck. And I, I went to college. So, you know, my faith journey is so much intertwined with yeah. kind of my journey into the arts. And during that time in high school, I kind of thought I might want to be a doctor, which is funny because I'm being an artist is just so opposite of being a doctor, but I had a mentor and you as a teacher, you probably really experienced that firsthand mentoring kids who love the theater and who are, you know, dreaming of maybe one day doing that outside of their bubble of high school or wherever they're from. And he sat me down and was like, I think you really have something special about you. And he pulled potential out of me. And I think it takes a mentor or someone to say, like, I see your gifts. You may not see them, but they're big. And I think if you continue to work hard at this, you could really go somewhere. So I was like, oh, okay. So it was the first time like I thought about it and, and really gave it a moment. And I just, it's like from that time on, I just said, this is it. You know, like I, I really felt this peace from God that I was to continue to pour myself into that. So I just kind of switched gears in 10th grade. I was kind of like dead on focused on musical theater and just absorbed everything I could. I fell in love with Broadway and would like spend so much time watching those playbill.com, broadway.com videos. And right. I got to play Millie and Thoroughly Modern Millie my 10th grade year. And then Fiona and Shrek the musical and was Grace and Annie my senior year. And those I mean, it's not roles don't define your passion or like the direction or your potential at all. But I think it was such a sweet gift from God for him to say, you do, you're, you love this, but you're also really, you're pretty good at it. And I think you should continue doing it. And so I started auditioning for college programs. And if you know anything about the college audition process and going into musical theater in college, it's a wild time. I didn't know anything besides, you know, the top 10 musical theater schools that you Google and found um, the music, this musical theater college audition program called MTCA. If you're a kid wanting to get some training and invest in some really awesome, they're just, they're great people, but also they give wonderful resources on trying to figure out what college is best for you because each college, their thing is more classical music or some it's more like straight acting and some has a really good dance program and they're all great. It just depends on what you need out of college. So I was kind of looking at college thinking, you know, what do I need? What are the gaps in my training that will really set a good foundation for me going out of college? 
And um, I landed on Oklahoma City University. And I think it was a really good stepping stone for me because I wasn't really ready to be on the East Coast and move that far away because I had been so rooted with my family that it was a good stepping stone of, you know, I want to get to New York, but to be only a five hour drive away from my family, it was enough distance to really be my own and spread my wings, but then also close enough to come home. And the Lord knew I needed that because I walked through some hard heartbreaks in college and just some, just some hard things that it was nice to be able to come back to the nest uh, when I, when I needed my mom. But yeah, I, when I moved to Oklahoma City University, I think a big part of my faith, like so much formation happened in my faith in college. The independence will just really do something to you. But my whole family had gone to a small liberal arts college here in Arkansas. And it's a wonderful school, Christian University. But the Lord just called me to go somewhere else. And that was challenging because it meant kind of reimagining what my journey would look like because I didn't have someone around me that had paved that way. I was kind of paving a way for myself. And so God was just kind of holding my hand through that. And a big challenge when I got to college was I had too big of a head on my shoulders. I just, my, my head had swollen a little bit (laughs) through high school with those lead roles and just getting into good colleges. And I was like, mostly just had a lot of control. I was just white knuckling my future and my talent or whatever I had in mind um, in the beginning of college. And God had to really walk me through pruning that out of me. Those first couple of years, I thought I didn't really need community. I separated myself from people in a lot of ways. And that just screams pride to me that I was just, you know, kind of walking in. Yes, I was still following the Lord, but it was very much of like, I can do this on my own kind of way. And I would go to church on Sundays, but I was doing it alone. And you just shouldn't do your faith alone because God created us to need each other. And in the body of Christ, we are built up together. Um, and if we're doing it by ourselves, it doesn't matter if you're focused on him. It's it's nearly impossible to do it without other people. And so those first couple of years, they were, they were challenging. Um, I kind of walked through a struggle with an eating disorder that just screams control to me too. I was just trying to like control anything I could. Um, and a lot of that was because I just didn't have my identity fully rooted in who I was in Jesus and wanted success and wanted to be cast in all the shows and wanted to be important, you know? Right. Did you think that you were trying to just, you were trying to zone in and like, you know, you always think about those like entrepreneurs that are like super focused and they don't, they don't like make time for other people. And was it that kind of thing where you were, you're trying to organize your life almost in a a way that life should not be organized (laughs) because obviously God, God is, is the one that's in control, but we're like, Nope, we got this. Yes. That sounds exactly right. Like just to the nth degree, trying to micromanage my life, um, and schedule and my, you know, body image and my amount of practicing. I remember in my freshman year, I was like losing my voice And my voice teacher was like, well, how much are you practicing? 
And, you know, usually you're kind of pulling practicing out of college students. You're like, hey, you need to go practice. That's like a discipline we have to do. And I was like, oh, like three to four hours a day. And she was like, three to four hours a day. Why are you practicing that much? Like, no, no human needs to practice that. Like your voice just can't take that kind of beating, especially in the beginning of your training. So that's just to me screams like the kind of the headspace I was in of just like trying to like do more and be more and try harder. And God had to really slow me down. I got to this kind of low place and the Lord just opened up a door to community through a college ministry in Oklahoma city. And I found community and invested in it and had friends. I had one good best friend in my college program and we just started running together. And it it showed me that like, once you have one other person who's a Christian and you're like, yes, like we're doing this together. We can say no together. We can do Bible study together. We can gather people together. So we started um, a Bible study on our college campus, actually, with other girls who were performing artists and Christians. And we were really nervous because we were like, are there any other Christians here? And they just came like they just came out of the woodworks um, on our campus wanting to study the Bible and grow in their faith. And I think in that time, the Lord really showed me gifts I have in shepherding, but then also began to just teach me about the power of women just locking arms and growing in faith together and having similar passions. Like we were all, we all love the arts and performing, but how having our identity rooted in Christ really uh, changed everything for us all. So that, that just began my journey of being set free. And my last two years in college were just so much more wonderful because yeah, sure. Maybe I wasn't getting cast or yada, yada, that doesn't matter. Like I had my eyes focused on Jesus and hard things came, but he just continued to surrender those things out of me. And I walked out of college with yes, the foundation of what I got with my training, but also good friends, like such good girlfriends that I'm still so close to. And they're my sisters in Christ. And then Um, new gifts. Like God just showed me gifts I have to be able to grow his kingdom here on earth. Like that's ultimately my purpose and to continue running in that. And he, he just pruned out like my care of other people's opinions. I will say in those years, like I just had to strip away that like what other people think of me is not ultimately what I'm bowing down to. Like that's not my Lord. It's Jesus, my Lord and Savior. And so to be able to have learned those things in college, I'm like, praise God, I learned it then. Because when I got to New York, like, it's just all of that rejection times a million, you know, you're having to put yourself out there and have your identity rooted in Christ and not care what other people think about you. You just have to know, like, this is the path I'm on and this is where he's put me and these are the gifts he's given me. So I'm going to steward them and I'm going to make disciples in the process because that's ultimately my purpose here. Um, so he he's so good, and I'm just thankful that I just continue to get to know more about him every day. Wow. So I teach high school students, and so I see exactly what you're talking about all the time in, in the sense that it's – I mean, and I'm 38. I have the same problem. It's so hard yeah. to push out what other people think about you and to be rooted in your faith in Christ, but it's so – easier said than done. I think it's so easy to hear that and think, yes, I should be, you know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you're right. But then five seconds later, 
you see something or whatever, and it's, you know, or you get a text message from someone and, and I can see that happening with them. And what would you say is kind of a first step in really strengthening that feeling about yourself and what mm. you know you should do when it's hard for them to kind of see the future? I honestly think there's no way around it being painful. Like you just have to fail. And I had to fail in college like over and over again Mm -hmm. for me to realize why do I keep going back to this place? Like if I'm really supposed to have the mind of Christ and my identity is in God and he's the most important thing and he says I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, why do I still feel like an anxious ball of mess and like I'm just falling apart at every time, you know, every time I get rejected and So I think it's just like repetition of failing and then acknowledging like, why do I feel this way? How do I like accept failure and, and not see it as failure, but as like, I don't know, rejection as protection that God has something even better for you, you know, on the side of that. Um, So I think it's just experience of like just being in the middle of that and letting God come in and be truly be your identity. And then it, it just becomes, I think, more muscle memory. I'm not saying I have this figured out because there's right. so many in New York City that right. I would call my mom just in tears walking down the street, just so defeated. Honestly, for me, and I, I think we all struggle with this in, in a different way, I'm a really hard critic on myself. So I think sometimes I'm fighting more so my own inner critic more so than I am even like what people think of me because I have this bar that's set for myself and it's like unrealistic. And then if I don't meet that standard, which is not God's standard, like he says, I love, I love you exactly where you are. Um, If I don't meet that standard, then um, I feel defeated. And God just like, what is that standard? Like, is it some unreachable perfection? Because perfection is just not possible and creating is not perfecting like creating something is so opposite of perfection it's it's so raw and vulnerable and it's exactly what you give in that moment um, and that's why we're storytellers and yeah. so you no story that we tell has no conflict <laughs> we oh my God, that yes. wouldn't teach us anything it wouldn't teach us any lessons it wouldn't we it would just be i don't know what it would be nothing and so when god almost gives you that that hurt and that pain, because that is your story that you can tell to others and pass on. And I, I think that it's really interesting to look at almost like the levels of the ground. I don't know the levels of dirt, levels of earth. Um, You, you look at, you know, middle school and high school, and those are kind of the years where you're trying to figure out friends and, and boys and things like that, your parents and your grades. And, and that is like your world, you know what I mean? And then when my, I see this, I saw it in myself, but also my students and they move into college and, and you lose some of that doesn't become important anymore. And it's because you're with your, your group, right? You're with your family, you're in your major. So those are, you're surrounded by people who are working towards the same thing that you're working towards. And, and so you have that community, but it almost becomes that you then have trouble with yourself. And so it's more inward, you know, am I, am I good enough? Am I not good enough? I'm not, I'm not getting these parts that I'm trying so hard to get. And you know what I mean? And it becomes that. And then as I've moved into, you know, motherhood and, and things like that, then it becomes 
again, outside influences coming in, not so much it's me too, but you know, how are you raising your kids and what are you doing right? And what are you doing wrong? And, and um, your career and stuff. And so it's really interesting to, to talk to you and see those different levels of, of moving through that. And I can just tell that God gave you that story to tell and to share with others. And I, I know myself and I know my students and, and it's going to mean so much to them to hear, um, to hear that from you. So thank you Mm -hmm. for sharing that. Yeah. it, It just makes me think there's nothing new under the sun. Like we all, we all go through a lot of the similar, same things in similar seasons. Your 20s just, it seems like a time of like, do I even matter? I think I've seen like a question for each decade of your life, yeah. like <laughs> what it means, what you're kind of searching for in that time. And right. I'm just so thankful that God is gracious, that he will stop us in our tracks and he will come in and say, well, what's going on there? Like, why do you, are you listening to me? What are you learning about me through what you're experiencing right now and the challenges that you're going through. And, and then you have a testimony on the other side of it. Like you said, right. You can say like, I went through that, but God is so good. So when we look at your theater career, I know I looked up to Audrey Hepburn was like my all time I would watch her movies and she, we had officer shelves at school and I had these pictures of her everywhere. <laughs> I loved Audrey Hepburn. I looked up to her and who are the kind of anyone in movies or Broadway or music that you just really looked up to and, and um, love to watch. I love that you asked movies too, because I love the old Hollywood classic movies and I love Ginger Rogers. Oh, I yeah. grew up, Dancing and dance is a huge part of just my craft. And I loved watching her movies, especially in my later years in high school. She inspires me a lot. But Broadway, probably Sutton Foster and Laura Osnes. Sutton Foster specifically because I just watched so much of her stuff playing Millie and then playing Fiona. Um, I also love tap dancing and I love that she's a strong tap dancer and um, she's just a bold go-getter, and I love that she's just not afraid to play those woman roles, not as like a damsel in distress or, you know, like she just like right. plays bold women, and I love that about her. Um, and then Laura Osnes, I just love that she uh, brings back the classics in a, a beautiful way, and I love classic musical theater. And so I would listen to Rodgers and Ham- Hammerstein, Cinderella in high school, and Bonnie and Clyde. And yeah, I just love both of those women. I hope I get to meet them one day. Yeah, that would be amazing. That would be super amazing. So, can you talk about when I think of your story? It's and I don't know if you think of it this way, but looking from the outside in, you're just, it's like you followed your dream and got it <laughs> and got a really great role. And, and can you just share with us what that journey was like and what you went through and what you learned once you received that role and, and you were able to perform that, you know, just what that process was like. It's crazy because yes, that dream came true. But as quickly as that dream came true, was it taken away from me? And I think I've learned a lot through that spiritually in this time of thinking, we're just not guaranteed anything. Like we can't, we can't expect 
to have or be given anything, even things unrelated to arts, like my mom or my health or just anything that we have today, we may not have it tomorrow. And I think that just puts everything in perspective in our walk with the Lord thinking, you know, we have everything in him. So if everything was taken away from us, we still have incomparable joy in hope. But yeah, it, it was a process of, you know, I call New York City my freedom playground in the seven months that I was there because so much was, you know, the Christian life is just like mountain valley, mountain valley, <laughs> mountain right. valley, and just different parts of the, the pruning process of planting a seed, kind of being in obscurity, and then kind of seeing seeing things come to fruition, and then that process starting all over again. And after having gone through this kind of treacherous time of college and having my head down, uh, it felt like just things came alive when I went to New York City because I was really stepping into something I dreamed about for several years. And honestly, like, I just think the more focused you are on the Lord, the more free you are because your, your priorities are straight. And I think he had straightened out my priorities in a lot of ways. And when, when I moved to New York city, I had learned this lesson in college of community being vital, like being my lifeline. And so when I moved to New York City, I was like, I'm not going to relearn this lesson. I'm going to dive into community first before I do anything. And I found Church of the City really quickly. It was an answered prayer. And I prayed specifically, Lord, will you give me someone to disciple me and then someone that I can disciple? And I think that really, truly changed everything for me because, I mean, God created us to be disciple makers, to go and make disciples. And as followers of Christ, we are fully fed when we are sharing that and pouring into someone younger than us. And then having someone that is more more years down the road pouring into us. And I just felt so alive growing in that way spiritually. And so it made my craft and artistry so much easier, I think, because all of the stuff that really mattered was in place in a way. So I found I found community and my friends. I had a few girlfriends from college that I was close to who were Christians that had moved. And so I had people that I could do fun, clean things with and just like run around and have a good time in our free time. And I was just auditioning, you know, auditioning and um, being an artist doesn't pay when you're, I mean, when you're just auditioning, you're not getting paid. So you have to find a way to make it on the side. And I've always loved babies. Like, yes, babysitting, but like babies, like little ones. And it was just so sweet of God that he opened several doors to babysit through moms at my church. I would, this is so funny to think about, but I would go to the lobby of the church on Sundays and I had little business cards and I would hand them to moms who had babies. And I was like, if you need a babysitter, I mean, like, just reach out to me. I'm looking for jobs. I just moved to the city. And very quickly, I found kind of a community of moms at at my church and started babysitting and was juggling each week babysitting and auditioning and just was kind of doing that over and over again, going into auditions. I had an agent through our showcase at through Oklahoma City University. I'd gotten an agent and that was how I was getting a lot of um, audition appointments. And then I was also doing the open call grind where you wake up really early in the morning and stand in long lines because it's just a rite of passage and you have to, you have to do it. It's just a part of the community and how you, you learn the way that uh, that is the way of the artist. And I was just showing up. It was a really sweet time. I miss it so much. I really do. I hope to be back soon again. But yeah, it was a pretty average day 
that I got an email that I had an audition to go in to be seen for the replacement of Karen Smith in the Broadway production of Mean Girls. And it happened so fast, Laura, so fast that I got an email. Um, I got sides, which for you all listening that maybe don't know what sides are, that's, it's like music and lines from the show for that character. And so I prepared it in about three days and then went in for the casting director and performed my first audition and then got a call back. And two days later, I was in the final callback, which Broadway never moves that fast. I mean, I haven't had a lot of experience, but usually you have callback after callback after callback. And it was pretty just miraculous how it happened because they were needing to cast it really fast. And that final callback was on a Wednesday. I went in on a Monday and then they called me the next day and said the producers in London were looking at my tape to give me like the final go. And that Friday... I got offered the contract to take over the role of Karen in Mean Girls on Broadway. So it happened within like a week. Did you scream? (laughs) Crazy. I was on the subway. Yes. When my agent called and I like ran out to the street and I'm just like weeping because I know that got to tell me that. And I was just jumping up and down crying and FaceTime my mom and it was wild. It really was. But I think I look back on that and I just think, anything can happen. You don't know. You don't know. How long was that before the shutdown? Maybe like three weeks because I went into, or maybe a month because I went into three weeks of rehearsal and put in and then opened on Broadway. Thank goodness I got to open like three shows before this happened. Wow. It's just crazy. I still, (laughs) I still cannot even believe that all of this happened. I think every day I'm still in shock. So have you ever felt like you needed to hide your faith or have you always felt confident in sharing that? And do you see that in the entertainment world as far as where I first realized it was I would look at these famous actors and I'm following them because I really like their work. And then I noticed it because they would say something about their faith. And I would be like, I didn't know that you were a Christ follower. That is so interesting. And I'm not saying that you have to put it all over the place, but it just feels like there's something where they tend to hide it. What are your thoughts on that? You know, where it says in Matthew 5 verses 14 through 16, you are the light of the world. Jesus saying this to us, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. And I think that's just it. Like Jesus said it, that we are called to shine our light, not to dim it, not to put it under a bowl, not to say this might be a part of us. He's saying, own it. He's saying, be who you are, be who you, I say you are not for your own sake, not so that I have a bright light. It's so that they see my father in heaven and glorify him. So I think, yes, God has given me a boldness and a faith to just say it as it is to say like, this is who I am. And I thank him for putting that inside of me. But also I think it's the way of all Christ followers. I think that is the center, like that should be center stage of our whole lives that yes, I'm given these gifts. Yes. My sister 
is given gifts and marketing and my cousin's been given gifts and you know, whatever we're giving gifts in, that's a calling and it's like, it's good. But also our purpose is to be here to go and make disciples, to shine our light so that other people come to know God. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few that God wants us here on earth right now so that more people will come to know him. Right. And so when I think about that, it just, it makes it impossible for me not to want to talk about it because there's a place we're going and it's going to be full of just delight and eternity with the father. And I want other people to know about that. And I think it's important for other people to know about that. And then two, he's just revealed himself to me and how much he loves me and how he's chased after me. And he says that he's chasing after every single one of his children. So if I've experienced him chasing after me, I know he feels that passionately about every single one of those faces that are behind a screen looking at my photos on Instagram, you know, and that's a place where we have a lot of people's attention, you know, like we're spending a lot of time looking at it. And so I just think, you know, if this is a place where I'm given platform. It's a place where people are listening to what I have to say. I don't know why. I mean, they just care, you know, they, you follow who you follow. And I'm right. like, if you're going to follow me, I, I want you to know if, if there's something you like about me, if there's some kind of spark or joy, or if you like things I share, I want you to know what you probably like about me. It's not really me because I'm a broken and sinful human being, but anything that is good in me or of me is God. And if I fail to tell you that, that's my mission here is to tell you where that's coming from in me. And it's Jesus. So I don't know. I think too, I, I feel less and less bound to just what people think about like how I speak about my faith because Um, I'm not here to throw it on people or to say like, this is what you have to believe. It's just, I'm passionate about it because I love God. And I believe other people subconsciously want to love him too. They just haven't figured that out yet. You know? Right. Yeah. Social media is, it's powerful. It's powerful tool. What the enemy will use for evil, God will really (laughs) use for good because there's some not so good things happening on social media as well (laughs) for sure yes um i think that's why it's so shocking when you see someone who is a christ follower who's open which seems so weird that that would be shocking it seems like the other stuff would be shocking but it's not yeah Um, and that's where i'm like okay let's figure out how to use this very very powerful tool um to disciple A, a side note to that too you know, I do feel called to speak very publicly about my faith, but I also believe that that's not representative of who I am. Right. There are several leaders in the faith that I follow that talk about this constantly. And it's so convicting because we can put verses up there and we can put things in our bio and we can reshare sermons. I don't know anything that claims yourself to be a Christian But if you're not living out the way of Jesus in your daily life, it doesn't matter. You know, it is if you're not able to wake up and love the people around you, which I'm still learning, like what, what does that look like? The way of Jesus in my daily life, bending over backwards to help someone or serve someone or take that phone call that's an inconvenience or whatever it is, giving of your own self and life for other people. Like that's the way of Jesus. So I just pray that what I say lines up with what I do in my life, because if not, it's just, it's all for nothing, you know? Right. Exactly. 
So while we're talking about social media and just the different things that are on there and your own personal social media, um, let's talk about your podcast because I really, really love it. And I want you to share a little bit about that. And I also was hoping that you would share a little bit about the Bible study that you have. Yeah, I would love to talk about it. So yes, I started a podcast and it's called, thank you for listening, Laura. I'm I'm so (laughs) glad you're enjoying it. It's hard creating something where, you know, I'm used to an audience, but with a podcast, it's like crickets of you're putting all of that onto the world and working really hard. And then you're like, I hope it's reaching people. So it's so encouraging to hear that from you. Um, but yeah, it's called Living in the Light with Laura Lee, and I interview artists and creatives. They've mostly been from the Broadway community, but I'm hoping to bring on worship artists and visual artists and uh, just people that are storytellers by nature, and we just talk about their story of how Jesus has brought them from the dark and into his glorious and powerful light, and um, it's just people's powerful testimonies of how Jesus has rescued them, and it's been so encouraging to me. I've learned so many lessons, just things, just so much wisdom that I'm absorbing from these conversations. I leave like taking all these notes, but it's, it's awesome. And I just hope it encourages artists, but also just anybody to want to get to know Jesus and to live in the light. And then Bible study, (laughs) college girls for Christ. So when I came home from New York city, I God put a burden on my heart for college girls that were uh, maybe walking alone right now, just thinking about all these college girls in their home doing virtual learning and not having community and thinking back to my time in college and community just being so vital to my growth. I wanted to do something about it. And so I started, uh, I put up on my Instagram that I was going to do a Zoom call Bible study on Saturdays and that if someone wanted to sign up, they were welcome to join us. And I had over a hundred and something girls in the first few weeks. It was just wild how much of a need it was a place to study the Bible together and to grow in community, even if it was via Zoom. So it's continued. We're going on like 32 or three weeks, I think, doing Bible studies together on Saturdays. Right now we're going through Jenny Allen's Get Out of Your Head, Walk Through Philippians. So it's been awesome. So if you're listening and you're a college girl and you maybe don't have community or don't have other girls to grow in your faith alongside, uh, we're starting a new series in just a few weeks. And I have a link in my Instagram bio where you can sign up to join the community. And yeah, I'll reach out to you and it'll be so fun. We'll get to study the Bible together. Yeah. And I heard that I know some of my students are, or my alumni are coming back for Thanksgiving and they're not going back to college until mm. New Year's. So they're going to be home for a while <laughs> yeah. um, just because they're trying to limit the travel back and forth. But um, so where can everyone find you? What kind of platforms are you on? Yeah. You can follow me on Instagram at Laura Lee Turner and um, the podcast. Yes. And then if my email, if you want to email me, anything related to the podcast or college girls for Christ, you can email me at podcast at lovelaurely.com. And then I have a website called lovelaurely.com. And if you go to the website, you'll see that you can subscribe to my weekly newsletter. And I send a love letter on Wednesdays. It's just scripture encouragement and, um, 
I also send a weekly newsletter about the podcast that will show you who I have on the show each week and what we talk about. So follow along or subscribe or do whatever you want to do. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on with me. Mm, It was such a joy, Laura. I think my listeners are just going to be so excited to hear from you and hear your heart and passion behind being a Christ follower who is um, in the arts and, you know, just very open. I think that you're an amazing role model for, for Mm -hmm. those girls. And I'm just really blessed to be on this with you right now. Thank you, Laura. I hope it blesses others. 